Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Amen, amen, amen. It's a blessing again to be here with you all as we continue with our Lament Sermon series. Uh, we've, been, we've been looking at a couple of questions throughout this sermon series that, uh, that I hope have not only piqued your interest, but also have served to uh, encourage you during this tough time of the church, the body, uh, not the building, but the body being separate from one another on this Sunday. Uh, each Sunday, we've tried to uh, look at what a lament is and, and different aspects of a lament. Uh, the first sermon that we examined was how. We asked the question, how? We looked at lamentations and we looked at God's people as they were suffering what, pretty much what they deserved. Um, and uh, we looked at how that lament looked on the surface. In the next sermon series, we looked at the question of why. The suffering servant, the, the innocent uh, Savior that we all know of as Jesus Christ, um, he, he, everything that he went through very much details and mirrors that of Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. And on today, I want to ask the question on today of who? The question on today is who? Uh, we've, we've looked at many different questions, and on today, I want to ask the question of who? As you're at home on this, this morning, I invite you, I encourage you to, again, interact with this as we are uh, online streaming. I want you right now, if you're online right now, uh, I want you to interact. So I, if you were here in the building this morning, I would ask you to say, who? So if you're online on this morning and you can type into the chat, I want you to type, who, with a question mark. Yes, I'll go back and look. And and I'll and I'll uh, and I'll check and see. Maybe I'll get you a golden star and stick it to your shirt when we're able to meet again together. But I want y'all to type the question, type the one-worded question of who, because it's very important to remember who. When we're going through some tough times, when we're going through rough things in our lives, when we're going through adversity in our lives, it is important to remember the question of who, who. Who are we with? Forgetting who you are, forgetting who you are. I, I had a moment in my life where I forgot exactly who I was. Uh, Sister Bond, can we go back from the full screen? We're still on full screen right now. Uh, at the moment in time, we had a question of, uh, I had a question of who I was as a person. Uh, I remember a time at a job where I, I was having a very rough and trying time. I was being uh, accused of many things by coworkers. 
uh, co-workers were uh, very, very annoying, in my opinion. And I, what I tried to do was I tried to remain a Christian throughout the whole situation. I tried to to do the right thing. I, I tried to follow the chain of command. I let the person know who was directly above me. It didn't work. I tried to let the person know that was above them. It did not work. I tried to let the person know that was above even that person, and it didn't work. And I was in a season in my life to where I was facing a lot of things that I didn't feel like I deserved. And so uh, there, there was one day that came, and we all have this day where somebody just comes in, and, and after you have uh, awakened in the morning, you've had a great cup of coffee, you, you've come in, you've clocked in early, you're, you're seven to ten minutes early on the clock, and you come in ready to work. And on that very specific day, Somebody chose to step on my last nerve. And so I, I went in and I, I'm talking to my, my, uh, my boss and I'm telling him, I'm like, hey, man, I, I, I've gone to this many people to talk about this. This is still an issue. What is going on is not according to what I should be dealing with on this job. I, I looked at the employee handbook and after a while I started to talk and all of a sudden I forgot who I was and I started easing in on my, my authority figure who was the boss at that time. And I, all of a sudden I, kept, I hear myself starting to raise my voice and I'm, I'm yelling and I'm pointing and I'm, and I'm saying what needs to be done and you should have did this and that. And I thank God that I had a good boss at the time because he calmly asked me, Chris, what are you doing? Chris, what are you doing? And, and that allowed me the opportunity to remember that I'm still an employee uh, and he's still an authority figure. And, and even in the midst of all of that that was going on, I remembered who I was. And sometimes when we're going through trials and tribulations and adversity, sometimes we forget who we are and whose we are. Sometimes we forget that we are children of God. Sometimes we forget that we wear the name of Christian. And sometimes we forget who our authority is and who the God is that we serve on today. And the authority figure that I'm talking about is God. Remember who the authority figure is, and it's God. I, I want to talk to you this morning. We're, we're coming from Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. Now, you may look at this, and you'll get excited because it doesn't have many verses in it, right? You'll get excited about this, and you'll say, oh, great, I can go back to watching uh, my mindless videos on YouTube. Uh, that is amazing. But I want you to understand first, before we get into the text, just what exactly is going on. Now, David here. David, the King David. I'm talking about the David that went up against Goliath. I'm talking about the David who survived his ordeal with Saul, who was trying to take him out. I'm talking about the David who was the least of his brothers, and yet God still chose to make him king. This same David, he wrote this psalm, Psalm chapter 3, in a day or on a day where somebody stepped on his last nerve, where, where he had to face this adversity. And I want you to see how great David handled this situation because he didn't do like I did and forget who he was. And he did not forget whom he was. Let me paint the picture for you. This this what happens here. He writes this psalm in the midst of a very hard time of his life. David here is dealing with a, a, a hard time with his family, as we all deal with from time to time. We all have now say amen if you have issues or have had issues in the past with your family. 
I think that we all have had issues with their with our family. And David here is specifically having issues with his children. His children are acting as if they are insane. And so when we look at 2 Samuel, we see that David is dealing with some crazy children of his. And he has a son that goes by the name of Amnon. And, and Amnon is, is in love with this, this beautiful young lady, and he just wants to have him for himself. But he's wondering how he can make this happen. And he's wondering and wondering, and, he, and it's making him so sick that he can't have this woman. And what's so strange about David's son Amnon is that the woman that he has this, this, this longing for is his sister. And he, he, he longs after his sister, and he goes and he has a conversation with another person. And this person says, Amnon, why don't you pretend to be sick? And if you pretend to be sick, then you can call upon someone to have your sister come and see about you. And Amnon, he does this. He lays in his sick bed, and he has his sister come. And when his sister gets there to see about her brother, in which this is also David's daughter, he's seeing about her. Amnon rapes his sister. He rapes his sister. And this is already a crazy enough situation in and of itself. But once Amnon rapes his sister, he then becomes sickened with her being in his presence and he just sends her away. And she begs him not to do it. She begged him not to send her away. She begged him not to do it like she did. But she's sent away in shame and she has ashes on her. And she's just, she's just a messed up thing right now. And, I, and, I, and I, I don't envy her position that she's in, but this is what her brother Amnon has done to her. And so it happens that her other brother Absalom, he hears about what's going on with the family. He hears about the thing that has just been done to his sister, and he, 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 he doesn't too much care for it at all. And Amnon, he goes to work within his head, and he forgets who he is. Amnon forgets who he is, or Absalom rather, forgets who he is. And Absalom is an interesting name because Absalom, you look at the name Absalom, father of peace, right? Father of peace is, that's what his name means. It doesn't mean that Absalom is a person of peace, as we'll see. It means that his father is a man of peace. A father is a man of peace, not Absalom. Absalom gets his gears to grinding in his head. He's like, man, I got to do something about what's going on here with my family. I need to I need to do something about my sister. And so two years he takes to plan what he's about to do. And Absalom says, "Okay, I'm going to have Amnon or Absalom says, I'm going to have Amnon come out and then I'm going to take his life and his plot and his scheming works. And he kills his brother. And he does this because David didn't do anything to Amnon. When David heard about it, he was upset about it. And he didn't do anything to Amnon because Amnon was the oldest, as if that's a great excuse. Absalom is successful in killing his brother Amnon, and he's dealing with this situation. And David, he doesn't do anything to Absalom. Absalom goes away, or he's pushed away outside of the, the community, the city, or whatever. And Absalom, he's gone for even longer. And after the course of seven years, Absalom is allowed to come back into the kingdom, which is a very bad idea. David doesn't want to too much deal with him. And Absalom, the Bible reads, he's a pretty boy. Absalom is one that looks good on the eye. Now, I'm not saying this. This is what the Bible says. Absalom is somebody who looks good. And Absalom, when he comes back into the city, he starts to whisper to the people in Israel. He's like, hey, you know, my dad, he's the king. But the thing that you want to have done. He's not going to do it for you. I can do it for you. 
And so he starts whispering in the ear of, peop- of the people as they come into the city, as they come in to worship God, as they come in to the places where they live. And all of a sudden, the people start to listen to what Absalom have to say. And all of a sudden, he wins the heart of the people of God. Not everybody leaves with him, but every- a lot of people go to the side of Absalom. Absalom then is trying to have his father killed. David, King David, has to flee. King David must again go into hiding. King David again is running for his life. King David has been betrayed by a son. He's lost another son to murder from the hands of his son. His daughter has been raped. He then goes on this quest to stay alive, and he runs into some of Saul's family members. And Saul's family members, they see David in his position, and they say, see, God is punishing you for what you did with Saul. People go, he goes into different cities and people try to kill him. They're throwing stones at him. They're cursing his name, saying that God is now punishing you, King David. You used to be God's dude, but now you're not. And so David, he pins Psalm 3. Let's read Psalm 3. Hopefully you're there in Psalms 3. If you're there, say amen. I want to see the amens. I want to hear him and see him. Amen, if you're there. Psalm chapter 3, the Bible reads, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. Verse 3 says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Verse 5 says, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For, your, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You will break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. I want you to see on this morning that David here is dealing with a situation much like we all have to deal with in our life. David has gone through in his life so much suffering, so much adversity, so many situations that seem like they're impossible. You would look at David's life as a reader today in this time and say, man, hasn't David dealt with enough? David has already faced Goliath. David has already been punished for what he did with Bathsheba. David has already been the least of his brothers. David would seem to have proven himself to God. And here he is again going through some suffering, going through some persecution in his life. And some of us have been in that situation to where we say, God, haven't I been through enough? God, haven't I already proven myself enough times? God, why am I going through what I'm going through at this time? And King David, 
he starts off in verse 1 and 2 by stating, I need to have some real talk with God. I want you to, I want you to come with me. Come with me here. As I talk about real talk with God, I'm talking about, when I talk about real talk, I'm talking about the talk where you're just totally candid. The things that you say are not clothed in anything fancy. They're just undressed. And sometimes us as Christians, when we're dealing with adversity in our lives, when we're dealing with hard times in our life, sometimes we have to face the facts. There's something we all must do. We all must, no matter what, face the reality of what's going on in our life. We have to face the reality that's going on in our lives because sometimes we'll, we'll do things to manage and to mask that are not permanent, that will not fix the situation. And we'll use things like alcohol. We'll tell jokes about how we truly feel to, to get people to not notice that we're in the pit that we're in. And some of us will even tell lies about our current situation. But I want you to know that those things are only temporary fixes to the problem. Eventually, you will have to face the reality of your situation. David here is facing the reality of a situation. He's saying, my sons are messed up. One of them have just lost their life. He's saying, my people who I serve, people who I go to war for, the people that I go to bat for, they've turned against me. He's saying, uh, Saul's relatives, they're trying to take me out as I'm trying to stay alive from the chase of my son that's coming after me. I then have Saul's people trying to come after me. Uh, my family is dealing with death and rape, and other nations are trying to kill me. And some of us may look at our lives and say, man, I'm going through some things in my life. I can't deal with what I'm going through. I'm going. Th I'm dealing with COVID-19 already. It's bad enough. I, 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 I hold in my breath as I walk through aisles of the grocery store. I, I, I dread going to the grocery store. I, I, I'm scared to touch the, the handle on the gas pumps at the gas station. It's, it's a terrible situation and a sight to deal with God. My marriage is falling apart. Things aren't what they used to be. Now that I'm sit, sit, spending all this time at home with my spouse, I see that we just don't fit together. It just doesn't seem as though it's something I can deal with, something that I can fix. Now that we have the time, we can't rip and run away from each other. Now that we have to be there with each other, I can't deal. I can't deal. It's falling apart. My kids, my kids, man, I, I love my kids, but I can't help them with this schoolwork. This new math is killing old me. Amen. Man, my, my job situation isn't what it's, it's meant to be. Uh, I've been laid off from my job because the economy is not doing well. I've been furloughed from my job. It seems like they're just doing this because they're just about to get rid of me. I don't know what tomorrow holds in the, state for the, in the place of my job. I don't know if I'm going to have a paycheck next month. I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to pay my bills. I don't know if I'm still going to have a place to live. I don't know if this $1,200 check is going to be a to hold me over until things go back to normal. When is the when is the, the the vaccine coming? My finances are funny. And I want you to understand all of those problems are real. All of your feelings are valid. But you got to understand that you got to face this thing with God. You can choose to face it by yourself, but it won't end well. Face the facts. Have some real talk with yourself. Say to yourself, I know that all these things are real. 
I know that all these situations that I'm dealing with right now is real. I know that it's weighing heavy on me. I know that it's having an effect on me, but I can have real talk with myself to God about what's going on in my life. Our problems can be numerous and scary, but they can be faced in confidence and in courage with God. I want you to say to yourself at home right now, I want you to say to yourself for those who are in the audience on today, I will face my problems confidently and courageously with God. Yes, for a moment, I may be able to face my problems confidently by myself. I may be able to face them courageously by myself for a moment, but I want you to understand that with God, we can have some real talk with ourselves and with God. Do not be afraid to lay out and have real talk with yourself. Do not be afraid to have real talk with God. Tell God what's on your mind. Tell God what you're going through. Tell God exactly how you feel. David says here in verses 1 and 2, he says, Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. He's saying there's many people who seek to do me harm. There's many people who I have more foes than I have friends. They're saying of my soul, there's no salvation for you. There's no salvation for you. You hoped in God. But God is not going to save you. This word here is going to be important in our passage today. We'll see this word at least three times where we see salvation. Salvation in Hebrew, Yeshua. Yeshua, which is a name that is familiar to us. Verses three and four, David here focuses on don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. I want you to understand right now that in this time that you're dealing with, when you've already suffered what you believe to be enough, I want you to remember. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. Go ahead and type this in. Go ahead and say this out loud with me. Don't forget to remember. Say it. Don't forget to remember. Verse number three, the Bible reads, uh, 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 but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. But you, O Lord, are a shield. Go back to the beginning of number three. Oh, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. I want you to see. I have an image here I want to show you because this is what we do sometimes. We, we like to protect ourselves, especially us Texans who who walk around with guns on our hips, we say, okay, I got a, I got a firearm. Nobody's coming into my home. I'm going to be protected. Some of us can't wait. As soon as we hear a noise, we'd be loading the clip, right? I want you to see what it looks like when we use our own means to protect ourselves. Uh, go to that, that, that picture. Now, this guy... This is the coolest of the Avengers, I I must admit. This is the best Avenger that there is. Captain America has a shield that is unlike any other. When you see him in the movie, man, you can't mess with that shield. Now, Thanos did break the shield, but you can't mess mess with that shield most of the time, right? But if you look at this shield that Captain America has, right? Captain America has a shield that covers probably his midsection. So if a villain were really smart, they'd just shoot him in the kneecap or the shoulder while the shield is up here, right? You, you don't see that, but if you think about it, Captain, Captain America's shield is really pointless. 
If somebody had a gun, a random person without superpowers could take him out. And I want you to know that if you're trying to use your own means, right, your own ideas, uh, uh, your own means, whether it be sex, drugs, uh, alcohol, whether it be busying yourself with work and jobs to handle your, your situation, to be a shield from your problems, I want you to know that you're using the shield of Captain America. It's going to cover a little bit, but you still got your shins exposed and you still got your head exposed. He ain't bulletproof. Now, I want you to show I want you to show this next slide here. This next slide right here is a shield, a Roman shield. Now, their shields were built a bit better. And this is what God is. I, I believe that this shows what God is to us, because this shield, right, this shield is a shield that covers you from head to toe. Right. And not only does this shield cover you from head to toe, this Roman shield, go ahead and show them what that shield looks like full screen. This Roman shield has a, 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 a bend on the sides of it to where it will even protect the sides of you. And so all you have to worry about, right, with this shield is what is above and what is behind. And usually when you're facing your problem, is there in front of you, right? This is what God is. When David says that God is my shield, he's saying that God is something that really actually protects something that really actually protects. And guess what? Even whenever you have things coming from all different directions, you have a group of people called the church who also have shields that look like this and show them what can happen when we put our shields together. Go to the next one there. Look at what can happen when we put our shields together. We have protection on top. We have protection on the sides. We have protection in front of us. We have protection on every side when the church comes together and we're all using the shield that is God. Amen. This protection that God is, this shield that God is, is something serious. And we should not forget in our times of adversity that God provides himself as a shield about us. He says again, he says again, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. God, he, he recognizes that God made him. Go to verse four, Sister Bond, verse four. God made him who he was today. God made him who he was today. David understood. I want you to see something in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 25 through 26. As David is about to leave the city, as he's about to flee, the priests that are in the temple, they say, David, we're going with you. David, we down to ride with you to the bitter end, David. They say, David, we're going to grab the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to march out and go where you go. But the David says, he says, carry the Ark of God back into the city. He says, if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. This is a hard saying for us. And that's because a lot of us have a problem with accepting our adversity and our issues, and our problems as they are. A lot of us don't want to say, okay, God, this is the card that you have dealt. This is the situation that you have dealt. Uh, and if this is how it's going to be while I'm here on this earth, I'm okay with it. A lot of us aren't accepting that. 
A lot of us aren't willing to say, okay, God, who am I to say that I shouldn't have any problems? Who am I to say that I shouldn't have any suffering in my life? Who am I to say that everybody else should suffer and I shouldn't, right? David says, whatever happens to me, happens to me. And I truly believe that David remembers that he was the least of his brothers. I truly remember that David remembers him as a young boy fighting against the giant saying that I didn't do this thing, but God did it. I'm sure that David, he remembers being chased by a king and surviving. I'm sure that David remembers that God gave him the kingship. And so David, he understands and he says within himself, whatever happens is going to happen. God is in control and I'm okay with that. Because David has not forgotten that when you belong to God, God is a shield and he will protect and he will take care of you. There is no problem with remembering good times. We don't have a problem with remembering good times. As a matter of fact, in the good times, that's where we forget about who God is. That's where we forget about crying out to God. That's when we forget about making a conversation with God a priority in our life. God made those good days possible. So we should just remember that when they seem to disappear, not to forget to remember who God is. Can you say this with me right now? Say this with me. I won't forget to remember who God is. Say it again. I won't forget to remember who God is. The next thing that David talks about, as he goes into verse, I mean, look at verses five through six. David here, he points out the fact that I am okay. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. David is not new to being compromising positions. David is not new to these certain situations. David has been in danger for most of his life. David was in danger when he stood against the giant with no armor on. He was facing a situation that was seen like it was impossible. Yet David was used to this. David survived the pursuit of King Saul. David, he made it through the Bathsheba episode. He caused danger upon himself. He caused the death of his child within the womb of Bathsheba because of his actions, and he survived that. David knew that he, with God, could survive any situation. So David says here in verse 5 again, I lay down and I slept. I lay down and I slept because God sustained me. I lay down and I slept because God sustained me. I'm not concerned. I'm not worried about. I'm not crying over a thousand people coming up against me. A thousand problems coming up against me. A thousand illnesses and pandemics coming up against me because I have God. And I want you to ask yourself on this morning, what have you and God survived through? Remember the things that God brought you through that you thought you weren't going to make it through. The thing that you thought was going to be the end of you, the thing that you thought was going to be the end of your career, 
the end of your marriage, the end of your children, the end of your finances, the thing that you thought was the end, but with God you came through with. Remember that, and remember that if he did it then, he'll do it again. If he did it then, he'll do it again. So get some sleep. God got it covered. He, do, he doesn't need sleep. Go to sleep. Stop worrying about those things. God has it covered. That doesn't mean you don't put it into action. But go to sleep and let God handle it once you take it to him and have some real talk. Amen? David then looks at verse number 7 through 8. David says, I understand. I know that he saves. I know. I understand that he saves. Verse number 7, the Bible reads, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. David, in his situation, didn't get immediately better. I want to tell you this. As you look at the story of David, whenever he comes back into the city, after his son comes after him, his son had the, the good looks and his downfall was his beautiful hair. His hair got caught up in a tree and that's how he got caught and killed. As he was going after his father to kill his father, the beautiful son, hair is caught up in a tree. He's killed. David said his situation that he's going through is over. It didn't look quite like he thought it would look, but the situation is over. He goes back into the city. He still has to fight. He still has to set things straight that haven't been straightened out. But what David does see, what David does see, go back to verse 7. What David does see here is that God, verse 7, he says, save me, O God. Next slide. Save me, O God, for you will strike all my enemies on the cheek. David here, he pins this before the resolution of everything else. He says, I know that you're going to take care of my enemies. I know that you're going to take care of my problems. I know that you're going to take care of my afflictions. I know that you're going to take care of God, my sorrow and my pain as I bereave the loss of my son. Because David didn't want his son to be killed, but they killed him anyway. He says, God, my situation is better, but I understand that it's not going to be immediately better. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, I want you to understand that God saves. God delivers. Yeshua delivers. Salvation. You see in some, some, some Bible texts, it'll show deliverance here. Some, it'll show salvation. God delivers. We see that through the names. We know that Absalom's name means father of peace. We also know of Joshua's name meaning God saves. Jesus also wore that same Hebrew name, Yeshua. God saves. God is in the business of saving. God is in the business of saving. Now, you may say to yourself, this is an odd thing that's going on here. Because wasn't it God that allowed the suffering in the first place? Wasn't it God to, that allowed the suffering in the first place? Wasn't it God who allowed this COVID-19 to come here where I live, to come into the community where I live? to come into the church where I worship, to come into the place where I work, that came and took away my job, that came and messed up my finances, that came and made me a teacher to my kids. Wasn't this that God that allowed that? 
I want you to look again at verse number eight. Verse number eight says salvation belongs to the Lord. Right. And then David says at the very end of verse number eight. Your blessings be on your people. David starts off this psalm by talking about all the things that are going on in his life, all the things that he's been struggling with. He has real talk about his problems. He addresses God. He takes his problems to God. And when he talks about how God saves, he doesn't say he just saves me, but he also saves all people. So may it be, let it be that my suffering is the cause for the salvation of all people. I pray that the things that I go through, the things that I suffer, the persecution that exists in my life, the adversity that exists in my life may help someone else to see God and be saved. May they be blessed through the sufferings because if it's not, I'm just going through it for no reason. There's a purpose for what you're going through. Go through it. Talk to God. Have real talk with God. I want you to see this. This is what we need to remember. Write these four things down in my conclusion here. We need to have real talk with God, right? Because there's too often, it's too often that we have real talk with Google. Some of us are more comfortable with Googling what's going on in our lives instead of talking with God. We need to have real talk with God. Don't go off and Google how or why are my kids acting crazy? How can I get my spouse to love me? How can I, how can I, how can I have more patience during this time? How can I make more money in this time? Talk to the source. Talk to the Father. Have real talk with them about what you're going through. Number two, I want you to remember God. Remember who he is. Remember who God is. Remember what he did in days of old. Remember what he did yesterday. Remember what he's doing today currently as you sit here and you breathe in air that you don't have to control. Your oxygen works. Your your lungs work by themselves. He's still doing something today. And guess what? He's going to do it tomorrow. Know and understand that you're okay. Know and understand that you're okay. Just because we have suffering and persecution does not mean that we're not, that we're not okay. We are okay. Understand that God has you. And number four, I want you to remember that God, again, is in the saving business. That's what God does. He saves. He delivers. He gave us access to himself through Jesus, the one who is named after the fact that he saves. Are y'all catching this? I don't know how. Right? In my current situation, I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know how this situation came about. I don't know all the pieces of it. But what I do know is who. I don't know how, but I do know who. I don't know how I'm going to make it on the other side of this pandemic. I don't know how I'm going to make it on the other side of this financially. I don't know how my family is going to be right again. I don't know how my marriage is going to be repaired. I don't know how my children are going to be okay. I don't know how uh, my, my, my life is going to be okay. I don't know how my finances are going to get fixed. I don't know how I'm going to find another job. I don't know if I'm going to be fired from my current job. But what I do know is who I serve. And that's God. I want you to understand that God is not a God that's just, that's just there for us to reap the benefits. 
God is a God who wants to be in relationship with you. God wants us to be happy here currently. If you're a Christian, I want you to understand that you can have that joy. No matter the situation, you can have that joy. It's only available in God. You can get it temporarily from other things. You can get it from other people. You can get it temporarily from, uh, from drugs. You can get it temporarily from sex. You can get it temporarily from, from hiding and lying. But if you want to have joy that lasts, joy that is eternal, please remember who you are in Christ. Please remember that you're a Christian. Remember who. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that God is a God who wants to be in relationship with you. There are many different religions that call for you to to engage in actions in order to be perfect, to escape this life, to do all these different things. God only asks a couple of things of you. And your salvation isn't based on your obedience, but based on conditions that are according to his grace. God says, I sent my son down here in the form of a man. He came, he lived a perfect life, and he suffered a death for you on your behalf. Do you believe it? Are you willing, right? Are you willing to change your mind about how you currently live and say, I don't want to live to please myself, but I want to live to please God. Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Are you willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Last but not least, I want you to understand that baptism is essential for salvation. Baptism is essential for salvation. Baptism is the 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 meeting of the blood of Jesus in the watery graves of baptism. It washes all your past sins away. If you want those things that you've done in your past to not be uh, on you in the day of judgment, for God not to see them, right? For God not to address them, for God to say you're innocent, you have to meet the blood of Jesus through baptism. I invite you to do so as we sing the song of invitation on today. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give and I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. How many of us on this morning believe in what we sing? Will you surrender all today?
in sin, but Jesus took me, well now, man, did a little light from, well, it filled my soul, well, you know that he made my heart in a, then again, he wrote my name up, well now, just a little talk with Jesus makes me Lost if we don't. <laughs> right ho, right ho. <laughs> hey, turn this mic up a little bit. This purple. 